Rudolfsson Baza, an Afro-optimist and impact investor. Welcome to Pamu Uyu with China's podcast. As we would have had conversations in an African village, sitting under the shade of a tree, a boabab tree in this instance, this podcast is about telling stories about Africa and its people through conversations with leaders who are making an impact in their spaces. The conversations aim to inspire and grow the love for Africa as we discuss the good, the bad, the flourishing, the retrogressing, the history, the present, and the future. To start off the podcast, I'm hosting a pre-launch season dedicated to International Women's Month with the theme this year is Break the Bias. And no, this is not just a conversation for women. Tune in and find out why. With me today is Mary Jane Berry. She's a partner in technology risk at PwC. She's passionate about empowering women in technology. Welcome, Mary Jane. Thank you, Janice. Glad to be here. And uh, it's an absolute honor for you to have invited me to share some thoughts. No, it's an absolute pleasure, and I'm glad you could do this. This year's theme for International Women's Day is Break the Bias. How does that resonate with you? Um, quite strongly, um, I guess, from the perspective of it's time to accelerate um, the breaking down of barriers and um, biases that hold adept women back from advancing in their careers and doing away with the biases, for example, that always give leadership a male face. These kinds of stereotypes, in my mind, uh, do not serve us from a society as a whole. Um, you know, leadership roles are supposed to represent the diversity of the humanity um, that they have been designed to serve. Mm -hmm. And so to succeed in breaking barriers um, really requires us to have a concerted effort, both from women and men alike in the workplace, um, in our homes, in society, and uh, just subtly recognizing of unconscious biases and creating that enabling work environment for talented women to be able to thrive in their careers. So I think for me, that's really, really meaningful. And you're so right to say all hands need to be on deck in order for real change to be experienced. Can you share a story where you've experienced gender bias and how you maneuvered it? So I've got two stories to share. Okay. Maybe let me start with um, <laughs> the first one. So the first one that I, I would like to share is when I was going through my partner admission process, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, mm. um, I fell pregnant with my second child. And so, um, you know, it was during the admission process already, and I felt internally already quite worried about what what this meant in terms of challenges that it would pose in this journey and how I would be perceived mm -hmm. from a leadership perspective so that's the first point just put a pin on that and then when I started sharing my news um, with colleagues some of the responses almost reinforced that initial worry that I had you know where colleagues would were like oh but what's gonna happen now and oh my gosh, are you going to continue? And what has the leadership said? And so 
you know, when I initially felt that anxiety and these responses um, immediately showed me that, you know, obviously there's a problem in terms of how society views maternity, for example, and how uh, potentially people perceive this to have an impact on your performance or your commitment um, to your role. So I think that was quite disheartening. And I guess that's, that's one experience. Um, how I maneuvered it, I suppose, in the initial sense was I continued to show my commitment to the role that I was going for and, and went through that process successfully. But I think over and above that, I've now, you know, I'm now part of the leadership team. And in my team, I have got females. Incidentally, one has fallen pregnant. Um, And I was quite intentional about, for example, when we had her last handover meeting, because she had a genuine concern around what's going to happen to my portfolio while I'm on leave. And Mm -hmm. so just giving her that assurance that, you know, we will put things on pause you will have caretakers for your portfolio while you're away but I have no doubt that you have huge contributions to make to the team Um, and you know she's gone away for four months she was able to completely switch or focus on her baby she's back a lot more energy Um, and I think that trust is built right in terms of me having kept my word around her portfolio um, and, and the fact that this hasn't directly or indirectly impacted how we view her contribution um, to the team. So I think for me, that's, that's been quite fundamental in terms of using my own experiences to change and enable other women um, that come across similar situations to mine so that they don't have to be the same struggle that I had to. If I just think about um, my my journey to decide to continue with my partnership admission process, um, you know, even though I'd found out that I was pregnant and it wasn't kind of part of the plan as I had originally had it in my mind. I'm also reminded about a colleague of mine who also went through, um, you know, this partnership process, probably uh, she she was admitted six months before I was, um, but actually nine months prior to that, um, there or thereabouts, she found that she was pregnant. Um, and essentially, her decision was quite different from mine. So when she found out she was pregnant, she approached the leadership and she decided, you know what, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to focus on baby. And then, you know, once I've got baby settled, um, I will come back and, and go through the process again. Now, this particular point is important for me because I think sometimes as women, it's easy to prescribe your own experience and your own decision-making process and project that onto the next person. Um, But what I really value about our our two different journeys is they've led us to more or less the same place in the way that is right for each of us as an individual. Um, And so her decision to take a break and my decision to continue were both the right decisions for us, but they were very different in terms of, you know, if you're on the outside looking in. So I think, you know, we just need to think about that as we go through our own journeys to normalize almost doing things differently, but in a way that that is right for yourself. That's an absolutely great story to start with. 
because it shows, first of all, that through your own experience, you have now consciously put in certain mechanisms to ensure someone else who's going through the exact same experience doesn't have to go through what you did. And this is very important, especially as women are going up the ranks to be the change that they want to see. So it starts with you. Mm. You know, you don't have to wait for the men to think about these matters. You're the change that you want to see mm. it's up to you. And it reminds me of that Cheryl Sandberg story in the Lean In book where she says, only when she was pregnant and had to park very far from the office and then be late for a meeting, did she think of instituting a parking space closer to the door mm. for women? So it's really mm. up to us to be that change. And I like that story about um, you and your colleague as well, because it shows you that there's no cookie cutter approach. It is 100%. important for you to almost seek what works for you at that particular moment, because you might decide to go the Mary Jane approach but it's going against every grain in your body and might not have the same results. So it is very important to be self-aware and establish what matters to me at this moment, what matters to my family, or what do I need to do in my career? And I love that this story had a very good ending as well. You know, um, we're both- For both of us. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's an absolutely beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And it also shows us how we perhaps don't have enough of these conversations because there's a lot of women who've been in our position who have tackled this. And sometimes it would have been good to be able to, to talk to someone who would have maneuvered a similar situation. And this shows that sometimes that person is actually not there and we kind of have to figure it out as we yeah. are going through the motions. And, and I think this is why platforms such as such as these are, you know, immensely useful, right? Because then it does give everybody, you know, a safe space to have these conversations, have similar examples shared with different ways of how the same problem was actually addressed. So, 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 thanks for the platform as well. Much appreciated. Oh, thank you, Mary Jane. So the WEF says that it will take. 136 years to close the overall gender gap. And this is using the stats from the 2021 report. What could we do to shorten that gap quicker? Yeah, look, I mean, if you, if you just listen to that, that stat cold, it's, it's quite overwhelming, right? Um, yeah. I mean, that's many, many years, a, a few generations right. um, in, in there. But I really am encouraged by how far we've come. So the fact that you and I can even have this conversation is already progress, right? Um, there's so many women now in leadership positions and opening up more opportunities for other women. Um, there's also a study that I, I read recently, which said uh, or found that there's a relationship between having female CEO and the gender diversity of the respective boards. Mm. Um, and I think that really spoke to me in the sense that 
um, you know, I mean, if we just think about the example that I've shared on, on this discussion, but if I think about our organization where we currently have um, a female CEO, for example, it's a lot easier to have certain conversations and dialogue that uplift and empower other women or other um, diverse uh, groups within the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And so while women's underrepresentation and leadership roles is still very much a reality, there are trailblazing women that are climbing up the career ladder um, and in that process shattering the glass ceilings and contributing to breaking the bias. And I think we can only use those opportunities and those leadership roles to accelerate um, what's already happening across, you know, different organizations um, the world over. Um, if you look at organizations such as the World Trade Organization, for example, where, you know, the new director general is uh, female, uh, Dr. Ngozi Okonje um, Ewiela, yeah. um, an African female. Yeah. Um, and women all over the, the African continent and beyond are normalizing the female leadership by advancing in their respective careers. Yeah. Um, and so that's paving more and more um, for other women to also progress and advance. And I guess that will also influence things like, um, you know, how policies are set and made. I was sitting on a call um, earlier today and they were talking about how if you look at the role of men and women in the home, for example, where genuinely some males want to support their wives, some men want to stay home and look after the kids, uh, whether it's paternity leave or whatever. Mm. But some of those policies don't lend themselves to that, right? So, yeah. so I guess when we think about policies, a lot of the times we're talking about what's happening for women. But I think we also need to be thinking about what is happening for men that is also going to enable them to play the roles that you know we are saying are evolving, whether it's at home, in communities. Um, and so look at it on, on both sides to say, to have these powerful, these strong women progressing, um, how do we enable men to be able to stay at home with the kids, to look after the kids. Because I think there's that balance between the reality of what does happen, which is that, you know, when you are progressing, there is sometimes a lot of demands on your time from a professional perspective. And one of the factors that prevents women from taking up some of those roles is not being able to balance, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I can say, or if my husband can say, okay, I'll stay home, for three or four months and you go back to work early, you know, that alleviates the pressure for me to go out and perform in the different roles. So I think there's still going to be a lot of interplay around the policy norms, around the cultural norms, because having set the policy doesn't make it comfortable right? Mm-hmm. We've got to normalize the fact that a man can stay at home while yeah. the woman, you know, goes to work, whether there's a policy or not, you know, this. So, so I think at various layers and levels, um, we've got to continue the discussion. We've got to continue to challenge. We've got to continue to influence where we are at those spheres of influence to influence the policies and, and the cultures in our organizations to, to enable women. But I am very, very hopeful that it can be done. And I'm also hopeful that, you know, that timeline can be accelerated. Mm. Um, if all of the different aspects are working in tandem for the same agenda. 
And you're so right there. I'll just pick on a few points that you've said. And the first one being, let's normalize women in leadership positions. As you were saying that, I thought of an extract I read this morning written by a woman who specialized in the agriculture field. And she spoke mm. of how on farms, four men are usually men. And she's like, why mm. maybe women? And I thought, hey, I've never thought about that. <laughs> it's almost mm. like given that a foreman is male, but let's normalize mm. women in leadership positions. And the second one you picked there was the policies are not just for women, they're for men as well. So when organizations are drafting these policies, it is not just one-sided to address one side of the coin. Let's have policies that create an environment that creates the closing of this gap for both men and women. Thank you so much, Mary Jane. This was an absolutely thrilling conversation for me. No, the pleasure is really mine, Janice. I appreciate it. And thank you for creating the platform for us to share. Absolutely. If you would like to connect with or follow Mary Jane, I've added her LinkedIn profile with this podcast. I would love to hear from you. Please continue getting in touch and sharing your views. You could even do it in the form of voice notes and we can share them on this platform during the month of March. If you have any questions that you'd want covered in the series, please email me at Janice at See you soon.